0: Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. This week, we're going to bounce on over to the western side of the state and visit with our regional agronomist, uh, Matt Doosterhaus, who works with our customers over there at URSA Co-op. Matt, glad to have you on the podcast today.
1: Yep, glad to be here.
0: Let's uh, let's start out with a crop report. I know you've got uh, two sides of the river, the Missouri and the Illinois side that you're Farming in and working with over there. Maybe let's break that down and do them both separate. What What are you seeing on the Missouri side?
1: Yeah, so you know yields have been pretty good on this side of state. We had struggled a little bit in the spring with the wet start, um, but we've had rainfall all the way through. And anywhere where the drainage was good, especially over in the hills of Missouri, you know we're tapping some. 240 bushel um, yields on corn and 60 bushel averages on beans where typically we, you know, that's about 60 bushel higher on corn in some areas and probably, um, you know, as far as beans, usually we'd be in that 40 to 50 range. So some pretty good yields over there in the hills where we've got water moving off um, and normally we're, we're worried about running dry late in the season. This year we had plenty of rain to carry us through there
0: the the areas of where you got water damage on 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 the Missouri side or are they going to be big enough to pull these uh, field averages uh, below the APHs or guys going to be able to hang in there
1: um, I think we're gonna hang in there at average um, to maybe slightly above average as we get um, you know move east from Missouri down into the river bottoms and even across the river some of those low areas wet areas ponds um, you know, heavy clay gumbos that struggle with drainage, um, that's what's bringing those averages, field averages down, keep them in that 180 to 200, 210 range. Uh, There's just too much out there. Um, you know, Too many acres in that area that's, that's in the 100 to 150 bushel range. Um, so drainage is definitely, a big part of the yield story and I think we're going to see that on yield maps this fall pretty pretty evidently.
0: As you come across the the river into the um, western side there of Illinois are the the yields holding up there as well?
1: So it's it's been really variable. Um, I've heard field averages anywhere from 170 up to 270 and a lot of it depends on you know three main things and, and that's planting date and how good your ear count was, because we, we had struggled to get a good window to plant this spring with all the rains and moisture we had. Um, nitrogen man- management has been a big key, um, and did you have enough to get you all the way through? Where did you split up your applications between fall, dry, any side dressing, um, and then disease or fungicide, you know, how how green did that plant stay towards the finish when we were filling out um, those kernels so if any one of those three aspects kind of you know wasn't covered that's where we're back to average but for guys that you know got planted in good shape had good ear counts out there in the fall um, managed their nitrogen and controlled some of that disease with the fungicide um, that's where we're tapping the upper end of the spectrum in the 240 to 270 range on yield. But as soon as we take one of those three aspects out, that's our limiting factor and that's what's keeping us down around average. We had plenty of rainfall this year, um, but some of those other things became limiting.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, you guys were kind of at a standstill for quite a while over there with the weather pattern. that just kept racking through there. It seemed like you were getting uh, uh, three out of five days, you were picking up rain.
1: Yep, it was, a, it was a struggle for some of the times, and we're just starting to get into some of that corn where the replant, um, you know, has occurred, so that Mother's Day planting date time frame, um, you know, on the better soils, stuff that was replanted is hanging in there with yield, but as we move to the side hill steeps and the wet areas, some of that replanted area just, you know, stayed wet throughout the season, so we're not picking up a lot of bushels in those replant areas. Again, that's dragging some of that yield down and keeping it around average. So I think for the most part, guys are happy or um, satisfied with their corn yields around here, but maybe we're expecting a little more. Um, just didn't have that good grain time frame based on all the disease we had and any nitrogen issues.
0: Maybe go from there. As I know, you've been working on plots uh, over there as well as the guys over here. Um, You know, again, right here in the local area where we picked up two eight-inch rains in 19 days. um, You know, probably some of the hardest hit from a nitrogen perspective is our fall anhydrous that wasn't backed up with any side dressing in. Uh, The next would be the spring applied or winter applied in that um, kind of got left out there There was just too much rain for us. Are you seeing that somewhere in your end plots? I know you've got uh, a couple of pretty good uh, anhydrous uh, spring application plots that you'd put out out there. Have you taken them out yet?
1: Yeah, so um, that was some of our earliest planted corn. That was April 5th planting date. And on some heavy gumbo soil um, in the Mississippi River bottoms, we ranged from yields in that plot from 175 up to 205, but there was a big difference in how that nitrogen was applied. And basically, anywhere where we moved some of that in to a wide drop or a side dress pass, we were picking up about 10 bushel to the acre. Um, so keeping keeping enough nitrogen out there late for grain fill was big this year. Um, you know, being being green at the end was more important than maybe keeping it green on the front end and this was on a corn on bean scenario. So, you know, I think that's important to keep in mind going forward and as we're looking at nitrogen prices for this fall and a little bit uncertain about what it's gonna be in the spring next year, um, there is risk with falling hydrus anytime. time. And if we're gonna make a total shift in our program, there's a lot more things to think about than just the, the 10, 15, 20 cent in difference um, you know, in those applications.
0: Yeah, it, I know you had fall fall only anhydrous, and then you had um, followed up some of your fall anhydrous with planter and weed and feed applications and wide drop. When you when you looked at your planter weed and feed and wide drop versus your fall anhydrous, what was your what was your widest spread in that plot? What kind of bushels are you talking there?
1: Yeah, so the <clears throat> the. 100% fall anhydrous was one of the lowest treatments, um, You know, looking at 175 to 180 bushel corn in those treatments. And then the Y-drop, that all of a sudden bumped us up to 195 to 200 bushel corn. Um, so a pretty good spread there just by, by splitting up that application and moving some of it from the front end, either in the fall or the spring, to the side dress pass, um, in June. And what we saw in those plots, and as we followed them up till harvest, you know, the, looking looking at August and September, the wide um, drop passes stayed green longer, just like our fungicide treatments stayed green longer. So that late season plant health, whether it was fungicide or nitrogen or both, um, that was help, what helped grain fill. And while we had fewer kernels, um, on some of those ears where we withheld nitrogen until the back end they had enough grain fill to make up for that difference so uh, overall the best treatment in our plot was splitting it up between falling hydrous planter in and Y drop so the three-way Three, split
0: one three-way and one. split and, then, and that's kind of what we're seeing here in our uh our end trials It look like fungicide trials to some extent and it's where is the roi now Um, one of our plots, um, didn't look as good early and it finished really strong. Uh, and it did pretty good. It only got beat by the, by the plot where we applied, um, broke that nitrogen up three different ways. So it just didn't start out slow and it finished strong doing all this, of course, with the same pounds of N like you're doing, trying to look at how do we divide that N up, but, um, Definitely, it, it looks like under this kind of stress that that uh, that practice is going to pay. So, yeah, it does make me a little nervous as growers are thinking about making a major shift due to anhydrous pricing and can't get 28 pricing to do all fall anhydrous. The challenges that come with that, if you're not used to it, if you're not used to how that manages, especially in the corn on corn and stuff. Uh, this year is a good example. You could leave 10, 20, in some cases, 30 bushel on the table and that kind of eats up anything that uh, you would have maybe saved in that application cost or uh, application of the anhydrous. What are you seeing from a fungicide perspective over there? Seeing uh, uh, much effect on, on the corn and soybeans?
1: Yeah, so talking with uh, Michael Hicks here at Ursa Co-op, you know, he's hearing from guys a lot of 20 plus bushel responses on corn to fungicide. I know we've had a few soybean fungicide plots come out in the area, anywhere from five to 15 bushel advantage um, to fungicide insecticide mixed on soybeans. So definitely the plant health, um, you know, the product, the rate, the timing is all going to be a big factor. And that's one thing, you know, talking with Michael, whether it was disease management or nitrogen management, that's kind of standing out for a lot of guys, you know, across this area. So it's something that we've got to keep in mind. Um, And a lot of people are starting to think about hybrid selection for next year. And I know you guys have talked about this, thinking about some hybrids that are more tolerant or showing tolerance to tar spot, because there's not a lot of ratings that are publicly available right now. So we need to keep an eye on those as we're going through.
0: Yeah, and I would throw that out to all your customers too, uh, you know, is to be making note of those hybrids that are seem to be standing out in this year of disease Um, and maybe make note of those that are just trashed. Um, Not that that's a bad hybrid, but we're learning something about these hybrids to say how we're going to have to protect them, you know, and, and we're pretty confident uh tar spots here to stay so we got to devote effort on figuring out what's going to be the quickest and best method for handling this tar spot you know right now it's hybrid selection we're seeing uh, guys calling in some very uh, consistent numbers meaning that uh, if one guy says this is my best number the next guy calls in and says well that number is trash for me you realize it's just depending on where it was but when you get multiple growers starting to call in the same number and they said, put that on the good side of the list, um, then you start to believe that, yep, that hybrid's got the ability to handle this tar spot. And on the fungicide, you know, side, it looks like so far as we work worked through these plots spraying twice, uh, you know, for a year like this is probably gonna pay some pretty big dividends. I hear you have one that's even sprayed three times. You seen any visual in that?
1: Yeah, we're seeing huge visuals. Um you know, areas where the airplanes have overlapped, Um, so you've got 2x rates, and even areas where we had one plot where we were spraying bean fungicide, and we added that, hung the boom over on the corn, so we've got doubled airplane fungicide for a 2x rate, plus we sprayed the bean fungicide on the edge, the 40 feet, Um, and it's amazing the top half of that plant is still all the way green today on the 3 3X application rate, go to the 2X, um, it's a little less green and go to the 1X rate, um, you know, and it still looks better than the checks. But the more times we were spraying fungicide, the greener that gets, it's just gonna be a question of where is the ROI again and, and how many times can we afford to make those applications through the year? on this easier like this and a susceptible hybrid, um, there's chance that it could be a positive ROI for three times, but can we get it done?
0: And you'll be harvesting it in December.
1: <laughs> right, yeah.
0: But where do you think you're at percentage-wise on corn and beans as far as bean
1: harvesting? I'd say around here, most guys, you know, especially with the weather this past week, have chewed up a little more corn. Um, you know, we're probably approaching about the halfway mark for corn and maybe a third done with soybeans. Um, but a lot of the soybeans that have came out so far has been either the early planted or the early maturity, um, or both, and everybody pretty much has been happy with the soybean yields. I mean, um, we're talking 70 to 80 plus bushel averages on a lot of farms, um, which in some cases, in most cases, are the best beans on those, that those farms have ever raised. So it'll be well uh,
0: above your APHs.
1: Yep, not, not many disappointments on the bean front this year.
0: Our bean harvest over here is bringing good yields, but bringing frustration as far as uh, cutting green stems and eight, eight to nine percent beans. Uh, you holding your moisture over there in the beans or are you seeing dry beans as well?
1: Uh, we had a stretch there where we had pretty dry beans. I think the moisture has kind of come back um, now, but definitely seeing the green stem issue in some of these varieties and the fungicides definitely adding to that but adding bushels as well. So we'll take that trade off.
0: Yeah, great. Um, How's the soil testing going over there? Been able to keep up with the guys?
1: Yep, getting in there, um, you know, trying to get in there after the combines, before the chisels. Um, So if you've got soil testing orders, keep those coming in and we'll try to get them through. It takes a couple of days to get those fields ordered and prepped for sampling um, a day or two. So the further we know ahead, if you're wanting a field sampled, um, the better chance we can get in there and, and get after it and get your wrecks back to get the lime and fertilizer spread as needed.
0: Yeah, and definitely if the, the crews can get in there before the chisels, it makes it for a good, better uh, better sample collection and it's easier on the crew. We've had a few guys jumping the gun already and, and, and chiseling some of these fields that, uh, uh, before we get there. So anything they can do to get those called in ahead of time, that makes it easier for everybody else. So, well, with that, Matt, I appreciate uh, appreciate the time this morning and hope the rest of the harvest goes good for you and all your customers
1: over there. Yep. Same to you guys. Keep Bye. on drinking.
0: To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe. Keep her moving.